Hello friends, welcome to Tales of Recovery and today I'm really excited to introduce to you guys my friend from high school, Stephanie Cattleman. Stephanie has a, an 18 year old son now, Austin, who was diagnosed with autism when he was about eight years old. And so Stephanie and I just reconnected about, I don't know, three, four weeks ago at our high school reunion and I had no idea, really Stephanie, that everything that you'd been gone through, right? So, that you had been through. So anyway, welcome to Tales of Recovery. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to just, this is super important for me. Um, I have friends that have kids with autism that I know don't have a very big connection of um, other mamas or support. I mean, maybe like the newer ones now, but my other friends' kids are also your kids' age, so 19, 18. Um, so anyway, I'm just going to stop and ha just tell us everything. Tell us what happened. Tell us how did you first know that there was something wrong with your son? <clears throat> you know, and, and the, you know, it's fortunately things are, you know, the technology, that the, the science is so much better now and people have an easier time, I think, my perception is, of uh, getting diagnosed, but my son, uh, the first, um, inkling that there was something wrong, uh, was a speech delay when he was about 18. No, he was 20 months old mm -hmm. and we went through, um, you know, and then somehow we, uh, we went, uh, the speech therapist, I think had suggested that we get a developmental, um, you know, evaluation done for him. And, in doing so, so we went to a developmental um, psychologist. She, in turn, said, no, he, you know, and she tested him. Um, at this point, he's a little bit older. He's um, he's over, mm. he was over two. And she said, you know, she tested him then, said he didn't have autism, mm. had some other sensory, you know, something called sensory integration disorder. So we went and started treating all these sort of different little pieces of the puzzle, so to speak, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, that eventually uh, we learned was in fact autism, but it took us, you know, he then was diagnosed with ADHD and all these things, again, together equal autism. And finally, after um, when, you know, we, we tested him two more times, uh, and each time was, we're told, you know, emphatically even that, no, he doesn't have autism. And what, um, what year was this? So what year was your son born? He was born in 2000. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so we're talking early 2000s, 2000, between 2002 and 2008, uh, is when he finally got diagnosed, but people were really hesitant to label him because he didn't mm. fit the traditional description. Like he had certain social abilities that a lot of kids with autism typically have difficulty with, uh -huh. like sense of irony. So he could take things that weren't, he didn't, he wasn't so literal, um, like, you know, like the Sheldon character that you see on, you know, Big Bang Theory. Uh -huh. uh, he, he, he could sort of understand and read body language in a way that other kids couldn't necessarily. So anyway, long story short, it was a long and really painful path because we were just searching and searching because 
he wasn't uh, for something to call what it is that he had and to get him what he needed. Um, so meanwhile, you're like in kindergarten, and he's along with the with the kids of the same age, or are you getting into kindergarten and first grade, or what? What are you doing while you have not yet realized that this is autism diagnosis? Right. So we were we we were we bounced, he bounced around a lot because he just wasn't fitting into programs. Preschools had difficulty. Finally, he landed in a. Um, in a private, it was sort of, it's a prep, it's, it's our school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so he, uh, so he went to this you know, very, you know, academic prestigious college. kind of, yeah. And so, uh, you know, and so, it, and they were looking for a certain kind of kid, but of course, um, so it was an, it was, unfortunately it was a nightmare of an experience. Um, mm. so he did, I did in fact hold him back in kinder, you know, so he did pre-kindergarten twice because uh, they said oh you know give him some more time to mature um but it was maturation that he needed he just needed a different kind of program right um but uh but yeah no it was it was a uh it was a it was a really painful experience because all along i was associating with you know families kids who were you know who were busy, you know, going to soccer practice and, and, and things were, you know, were coming more easily. And we were, I was just like bracing myself every time the phone rang during the school day, cause I was afraid that I was going to get called in or to take him home. Or, you know, we were bouncing around to therapy all the time. <laughs> so tell us a little bit, um, for, for most of us that are not um, super close to an autism. So what is it when, when you talk about the, the autism spectrum, right? Yeah. Is that like from zero to a hundred? What does that mean in particular? You know, it's a, um, it, it basically it's the spectrum is what they typically say is from kids who are more profoundly impacted by autism, mm -hmm. you know, where you see kids who are nonverbal or, you know, or have, some verbal abilities, but really are just sort of, you know, but, but very limited ability to communicate. Um, and some have, you know, have, uh, you know, behavioral, extreme behavioral issues. Um, some have incredible abilities. I mean, like yeah. off the chart, unbelievable ability to think outside the box and I mean just really mind-blowing um, abilities to create and you know figure things out um, so it's uh, so you've got so that's really the spectrum I mean it's really from kids who can't you know or ad adults people who um, have really um, are have greater difficulty existing in the world to those who have just more social issues, um, okay. is the typical, um, is the, you know, what people seem to understand more about autism are those that are just a little more socially awkward. Mm, okay. Was your son, like, were you able to talk to him? Was he communicating oh, with you? Okay. Oh yeah. No. So my kid, my son is, um, fortunately, and that's what made it so difficult to diagnose him is that he was very, high functioning, like he had oh, okay. a lot of abilities. 
but um, but he was having difficulty in the social, you know, he was having some social challenges um, and some academic challenges. Okay. Okay. So when did you finally realize, or like when was the, the point where you're like, okay, it is autism, now we can move forward with this and get him different treatment? So he was, um, so he was eight years old. Uh, I was very fortunate that along the way I had a friend uh, who ended up starting a foundation um, we met when we were pregnant and it turned out her son's a week younger than my son and she um, and it turned out he had autism and she was hmm. felt so alone in this process that she started this organization with the idea that no one should ever feel like they're alone that they're you know that it's a that there are out there options out there hmm. And she kept on sort of like, she steered me in the right direction to the right people. And that's what made the difference. So by that you mean, um, like, I have no idea. Like what, do you, do you go to like different therapies? Do you have different medications? What do you mean by steered you in the right direction? Is like a better counseling? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so I found a psychologist who specialized in autism. Okay. She, right off the bat, you know, said, yes, that's up, you know, this is definitely autism. Mm. And once I got that from her, I then went back and, um, said, okay, now with this diagnosis, there are options that opened up, uh, funding possibilities, resources to be able to get services. So a lot of times kids with autism, receive something called, um, you know, ABA therapy, uh, applied behavioral analysis. And what that means is it's, it's a very time intensive, you know, costly therapy. I mean, people at the time that Austin was small, I mean, and it still, I'm sure happens today, although, um, insurance now covers it, uh, a lot of insurance, not all insurance, mm -hmm. but uh, people were more, you know, we're, we're going bankrupt. I mean, they were mortgaging wow. house. I mean, a hundred thousand dollars a year oh my gosh. is common. And, um, so I, um, you know, so getting the right, so that's what I mean by getting the right resources in place. You know, we were doing more or less the right thing, but we were doing it piecemeal because we didn't have that diagnosis and we didn't have access to, um, you know, support through the public school system and through, um, you know, the state of California offers, um, services as well. Um, but you have to have the diagnosis, um, right. which they can diagnose, but anyway, long story short. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you finally, I mean, relieved to know? Yes. Okay. It's autism. All of this. I, did you think like I've known this all along? What was, you know, I think that, I guess, I think I, I mean, it was devastating. It was devastating. I mean, in one sense and in another sense, it was a relief um, to finally have an answer. But, you know, I think that we were hanging around all of these kids who were, you know, for better, lack of a better term, they, you know, neurotypical people who don't have a neural, because autism is a neurological condition. So mm -hmm. I hate using that 
differentiation, but kids who didn't have autism, we were hanging out with kids who didn't have autism and the parents didn't understand. And, 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 and it's understandable. Why, why would they? Um, so he would have behaviors or he wouldn't pick up on social cues or, um, and so we kind of, so it was very alienating people, you know, you don't, get invited over or people don't, Mm. you know, accept your invitations when they think that, you know, if they think that your child is difficult or different. And, um, so once we got the diagnosis, I felt like, okay, let's join this new community called the family of autism, (laughs) Yeah, you know, and that, um, and those people, it was like, Oh, okay. I, you know, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Mm. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. So, um, and, and I think that, you know, my friend's organization, it's called autism tree project foundation. Wait, it's in San Diego and it's, and I can, and I can give you all this information, of, you know, resources, uh, um, so that people know where to look, but it's the name of the organization. It's kind of a mouthful. It's autism tree project foundation okay autism tree project foundation yep and their um the url is um autism tree project.org okay i'll make sure to put that on our in the notes of the of the podcast but that's that's important because um how did they help you oh my gosh how didn't they help me is really Mm. the question i mean it's because they had you know it was, um, I found they have parent mentor, they have, they have like 17 different programs, I think at this point or more even, and they're spreading to other cities, um, they're in the, the Bay Area as well now, but they have, um, their, their mentor program was probably the starting place, uh, where I was able, they paired me with like, I filled out a questionnaire saying, basically explaining like, what am I looking for? And at that time I was looking for resources. I was looking for professional resources. Right. And so they paired me with a, an, a psychologist who, who specialized in ABA therapy. And so through that conversation, I, you know, I got what I needed and they also have a really large social component with wine, which always helps. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and so, um, so, so I started meeting other parents and it's, and, you know, and as we were just saying a moment ago, you know, not being alone. Um, and so you find, I found people too, who had kids the same age as my kid and we started hanging out together and having play dates and, and, um, and getting involved in some of their programs they have for kids that, you know, they have a, a big brother kind of program or big sister, you know, it's big brother and big sister. They have mm-hmm. a football program with USD university of San Diego football team. Um, and they have, all, and they do all sorts of other, they do a winter wonderland carnival for kids and they have a girls program. So, um, just was your son. So when, when you met other kids that also had autism, do they know they, they have autism? Does he getting along better with them? How is it different than someone who doesn't have it? Yeah, no, it's a good question. You know, I think that 
everyone, I think that to a certain degree, people gravitate toward people who seem more like themselves. Mm. I mean, I think it's just in the nature. And so yeah. he did tend to gravitate toward kids who did end up having similar diagnoses as him. And so I don't know. I mean, I think that he probably at a certain point started feeling different um, than other kids once he was in public school and, you know, and, you know, but at the same time, um, you know, I think that it was, he was able, he was fortunate that he, you know, he did have pretty good support and, um, and, and did, was able to make some friends. That's good. That's good. I'm sure that was a relief for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cause he's, he's a really social kid and to actually find families that would embrace him, um, was really, um, was, was fantastic. Uh, was your own family supportive throughout this? You know, as supportive as they could be, um, you know, to a certain degree, again, it kind of goes back to, you know, and, and my family, my family's amazing in the sense that like my stepmom, you know, you know, said, give me a book, let me read about this so okay. I can talk about it. And, you know, they really, and they went to meetings, you know, with me and, and, um, but at the same time, I think that it's one thing to under something, understand something intellectually, but mm. it's another thing to actually see it applied. And I think that it's, mm. um, you know, you might understand that, Oh, this child is socially awkward. But then when you're, when you're faced with a child who's, you know, saying something that's just, you know, unexpected socially <laughs> that's really out of like left field and not appropriate or whatever, you can, you know, I think that our parents, I think it's a generational thing and I think it's just exposure. Right. You right. Know? So I think that, you know, a knee jerk reaction is like, you know, you know, how can you don't say, you know, you know, just right. how it would have treated me if I had said it when yeah. I was a kid. Right. Right. Wow. Well, they do that even with kids that are not in autism. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. so I know that at one point you ended up having to move from San Diego to San Francisco because of the programs available there. Tell us a little bit about that. How was? Yeah. So, I mean, it was Austin was getting ready for middle school and I really just was, you know, having gone to a small private high school and middle school, I, and knowing that he would thrive more in a smaller community, mm -hmm. I was, I kept looking for that in San Diego and he, there just wasn't anything that was meeting his needs. He was just sort of this kid that fell through the cracks in public mm -hmm. school, you know, public school just wasn't appropriate for him because the classroom sizes um, were overwhelming to him, which is a common thing for kids because they have these sensory, they're more like, like going, being in a big classroom for him was sort of like being, trying to learn at, at a rock concert. I mean, there was oh. just sound coming from everywhere and mm. everything was just vivid and bright and just, it was just overwhelming. And so he, he was just constantly in this heightened state of anxiety. So um, I started looking outside of San Diego and, uh, I found this, that the Bay area just happened to have, you know, I don't know if it's because the Silicon Valley is here and a lot of, you know, frankly, I, I think it's a combination of things, but that's not 
you know, that's that, you know, a lot of people joke that there are more seem to be a lot of resources up here because, because of that, because there's just a lot of people on the spectrum up here. <laughs> wow. Working in, in engineering and, and, you know, in tech and, um, because but, they're just smarter. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, I think that there's a lot, I mean, just to a stereotype is that Sheldon like character, you know, where, and there are kids that I, because Austin now goes to a high school for kids who, you know, are have, you know, average to above average to way, way above average intelligence. And there are kids in his high school that are just mind blowing how, you know, and math is a lot of them get math because it's very concrete and it's, it's formulaic and it's structured. And, you know, if you follow the pattern of things, you know, if you follow the process, you'll get to the answer. So I think that there's a lot that there's, you know, it's not abstract. Uh, well, some of it, I guess is, but I'm, right. I don't know. I think that that's why. So, um, that's why a lot of kids go into, you know, people gravitate towards those, you know, um, you know, careers or yeah, programming, going into programming or tech in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but the Bay Area also has, I think, uh, you know, it's it's nice. There's a level of, you know, acceptance of, you know, a wider, you know, what's normal is seems broader up here. Right. Um, but so I found some programs. I found this high school that he now attends um, as well as other programs. But I think that what happens, what has happened to, you know, to Austin throughout his schooling career and and is common amongst a lot of families is that you bounce from school to school because things just don't work. And it's just, it's heartbreaking and heart wrenching. And that also happened up here because the school was a high school and he was just going into sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of had to bide our time and find, I had plans A, B, C, and D oh, to okay. guess, you know, in between. And we went through schools, A, B, C, and D yeah. before getting him into um, this high school. So, all of this was up in San Francisco. Yes, this is it. we we live in the East Bay and um, in Contra Costa County. Now, do you do you um, do you have family up there? Did you move up there with by yourself? Were you still married at this point? Oh no, I, I hadn't been married. I actually got divorced um, before Austin was even diagnosed. We got divorced mm. uh, um, a year before Austin was diagnosed, uh, which you know is a common, is a common thing for families, uh, with autism, unfortunately, because it's just such a stressful experience. Um, yeah. What did so. you say the percentage of divorce was with autism? You know what? I'd have to look it up. Okay. You know, yeah. for certain, but I want to say that it was somewhere in, you know, above 85%. Mm. Um, so it's just, it's extremely, because what's difficult is you hear families you know, the treatment, as I mentioned earlier, is so expensive, which adds such a stressor. Mm -hmm. And parents have different levels of acceptance of what is happening with their kids. So right. you have one parent who won't accept that it's autism and that they need therapy. And, you know, and the other parent wants the therapy or there's things that there's different kinds of therapy. And some are, you know, are research-based and scientifically proven to make a difference and others are more experimental. Right. So, um, yeah, there's, um, there's a lot to <laughs> just yeah. <group> out. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. 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 
So you moved up to San Francisco just with Austin then? Um, I Well, at this point, at the time that I moved up, um, Austin was, you know, was 12 years old and I had a wonderful, uh, you know, significant other, you know, okay. you know, my, my boyfriend. Um, and so he, he moved up here with us and I have, my stepsister was up here. Um, so it wasn't, so I wasn't totally alone. Okay. You had some support. Um, but I, it, I did, I did. Yeah. So that, that, that definitely, and we chose where we wanted to live um, fortunately, you know, because there were other high schools, uh, in different parts of the Bay area, but we chose where we wanted to live so that it was in close proximity to my stepsister. Right. So, so as you are, for example, you know, finding, finding schools for Austin, finding different programs, finally getting the resources and the mentoring that you need, um, like, how are you feeling as mom throughout this whole process? Clearly relieved that now you have people, but like, what is it, you know? I mean, you know, the day-to-day -day parenting of, uh, you know, a child with autism is, is exceptionally hard. I mean, mm. I don't have it, you know, granted, I don't have anything to compare it to because I only have one child. So, right. but, you know, the, a lot of the kids, you know, especially in the public, more so I would say in the public school system where the resources aren't, you know, they're doing the best they can, but resources are, 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 are not always there and, and environments are big and kids come home overwhelmed, exhausted, and they're trying to hold it together during the school day and not, you know, in the case of my son, he was trying to hold it together he was trying to learn, but again, it was like being in a rock concert and he processes information slowly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they were, you know, 10 steps ahead and he was just trying to hold on, you know, to, you know, he's way back, you know, so he was getting bits and pieces and then he would come home exhausted and then I'd have to reteach him what he learned at school. So we were spending five hours, you know, in elementary yeah. school you know, three to five hours a night on homework. I mean, it, it was, it was insane. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I drank wine. It was, <laughs> that was helpful. therapist, which was exceptionally helpful and definitely well advised. Yeah. <laughs> well recommended. Wine and therapy, of course. Um, and so how is he doing right now in this new high school? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's been, it has truly been, and I like get emotional when I really start thinking about it, but it has totally changed the trajectory of his life because, you know, in the public school system, their, you know, his, their answer when, you know, I, 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 um, he had what's called an IEP, an individualized educational program, mm -hmm. which is a contract with the school to give him supports and services to meet his needs educationally as anyone else, just like his basic civil right to have access to education. Okay. And, um, but what was happening was he wasn't learning for a variety of reasons and they were doing a lot of work 
it appeared that they were doing a lot of work for him. And we found a tutor on the outside. We spent a whole summer intensively tutoring him and we found a formula to remediate the learning he had missed, like fill in the gaps of learning that he had missed. And we came back to the school all excited and said, we have the formula. I want to give it to you. You know, I'm I basically, we figured it out for you. This is what he needs to learn. And they said, their response was, well, that's nice. And they said it in nicer ways than this, but like, basically that's nice, but we're not going to do that. We're going to do, we're going to give him, we're basically going to modify his grades and take him off of a college track. So he's not going to, oh, wow. he's going to have an, a different, they're going to grade him differently. So basically, which, you know, for him, when we knew he could learn and he could, you know, that he, and he certainly, you know, the testing was showing he's bright and capable right. yeah. <laughs> if taught the right way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so when they said that he actually, um, I pulled him out of school literally like the next day he was in eighth grade. I called a oh, well, that afternoon. I called this high school cause I was just sort of, you know, I'm like, no, we need no. to come over and they, and they said, bring him over and bring over his testing. Let's see him. And I showed his test and he went over there, he interviewed and they actually took him right then and there. He skipped a grade. Great. And he, you know, and he, you know, which was basically putting him back with his own, you know, kids, his own age, but he, mm -hmm. you know, he, they, and he has, he has flourished in this environment. Like he, a, a person, the child that I always knew was inside of him mm -hmm. emerged because he mm -hmm. was no longer living life, you know, in this sort of, you know, um, full of anxiety, um, you know, just barely hanging in there right. day after day after day. Right. Um, right. So, so yeah, he's, he's in a college prep high school and, you know, night, they have a 97% acceptance rate into college, you know, or graduate, you know, and so it's, 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 it's higher than most public schools. So it's not a public school then it's a private school. It is a private school. It's actually, it's yet slightly different. It's called a non-public school. So okay. kids, um, I don't want to necessarily go on a digression, but bottom line is that if you have listeners who have kids who are in public school, um, and they're not able to meet their needs, they're failing to meet their goals created because kids with IEPs have these goals. Um, there are options out there in non-public school. Um, you can actually get public school funding to pay for private school at a non-public school. Nice. You have to go through this whole process um, and literally sue the district, and which is what we ended up doing at retroactively, um, and we won. Um, mm. And so we, um, so yeah, so that those funds are available for families. You know, you don't have to shell out the $35,000 a year or 40,000, I think is my son's school. Um, you know, for families and most of the kids are on IEPs or on public school funding because public schools by the way they're designed, unfortunately, don't meet the needs of most of these kids. Mm-hmm. 
So if there's a parent that wants to look into this, um, especially, well, at any age, but including, you know, when you're, when you're older, what, what should they do? Should they check, is this an, um, like, is this information available at the Autism Tree Project Foundation or? I'll give you the name of another organization. So families who, there's an organization called COPA, and don't ask me to tell you exactly. I think it, you know, what the acronym, um, I know it's parent and, um, and attorney advocates, um, you know, is it's the community of, you know, I don't, I don't remember exactly what is it. C, is it C O P A? It's C O P A A dot com. I believe I, it's, okay. um, and it's basically an organization that, um, does um, that provides um, parent resources and access to parent advocates who can help parents navigate special education in the public school systems and potentially, if needed, find an attorney or an advocate that can help uh, represent them if they have to go to mediation or to hearing to, um, to get some sort of compensation to um, help them, you know, get the tutoring they need or mm -hmm. a program that isn't available at their local public school and the district is saying they don't need or can't mm -hmm. need. A lot mm -hmm. of, you know, it's unfortunate a lot of times public school, I mean, I'm all for the idea of public school, but in, in, in theory, but in practice for a lot of these kids, it doesn't work. And yeah. having an advocate to go into these meetings. So, you know, every year, um, families whose kids have these IEPs, documents, contracts, have these long, painful, I mean, just like, <laughs> I can't brutal tell meetings, you, yeah. brutal meetings where they basically, um, you know, you walk in and the teachers will tell you, oh, your kids are, your kid, oh, he's so sweet and he's so great and he's doing so great and look how he's doing. And you want to believe them because, and you have, you know, I mean, my, I was, you know, sort of, I hate to say it, but sort of naively believing what they were saying because why wouldn't you believe your teacher? I mean, they're there to help your student. Correct. And but the reality is, is that there's a lot that's unfortunately because of the bureaucracy, the lack of funding, they have to figure out, you know, they have to take from one pot to pay for the programming for another kid. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, so funding is really limited. And, um, so they don't often, so they, so they sort of like budge things a little at times. I hate to say it, but it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, but an organization like COPA um, can provide, you know, access to individuals who can help parents um, get what they need through the public school system. So they fight. For, so COPA is the Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates. Thank you. Right. Council. Yes. Yeah. The <laughs> National American Advocacy Association of Parents of Children with Disabilities. So basically, they will fight for you. <laughs> they will help you fight the machine and help you get the resources and the education that um, that your kid deserves, right? Right. Just like any other right. kid, yeah. 
I mean, they can give you, so there's, you know, there are resources on their website. Um, there are forums that people can join and you can find advocates. Um, you know, it depends you know, sometimes, um, you know, advocates, there are organizations that provide free advocacy, like mm -hmm. for example, San Diego, um, USD University of San Diego, um, has a program. I think it's called the compass program. I have to look it up. Um, and they will provide free training. Um, there are lots of organizations that will give free um, IEP tra training. Um, mm -hmm. Let me just see the center. Um, for the parents, you mean, or for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for parents to understand how to read their IEP document. So it's um, it's. Um, let's see here. Yeah. No. It's um, it's at. USD, it's um, it's called Compass C O M P A S S Family Center, um, and they will uh, and they have classes that I believe that used to be run by uh, I think Kara Lucier, who's a special education attorney, teaches classes. But they can also um, look over your IEP document to see if there's any problems with it. Um, and, but the, you know, they, they teach parents so they can, parents can advocate for themselves. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. So what grade is Austin in right now? He is going into his senior year. Oh, wow. That's so, good. Yeah. We are embarking yeah. on the next, the next stage in the journey and it's, you know, it's an exciting and <laughs> <laughs> what, what happens when he goes to college? Is it the same type of, um, you know, advocacy program for him as well, or? So it changes so that, that, uh, you know, the IEP is no longer, it only is through, you know, for him, it, I guess it's, it's going to, as soon as he graduates from high school. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he is, you know, we are looking at programs that are programs that provide, um, life skills support. Okay. And I think that his transition, what I've decided for him is that going straight into a four year, he's going to apply to four year schools. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are colleges like Cal State East Bay, what used to be Cal State Hayward, um, has a program that supports kids with autism, high functioning autism, mm -hmm. gives them the social um, and the social support and the structure because these kids really need, I mean, they, a lot of them will sort of flail once, you know, lots, most people have a hard time their freshman year of college. Right. Yeah. Just like managing all the new stuff, but even more so, um, can happen here and there. Um, so what, um, so, so there are some colleges out there that have special programs that provide, um, both the social and academic support. Um, but, uh, you know, and life skills support, but there are, um, programs through some, um, called, uh, if you live in the state of California, you can have, there's the department of Rehabil rehabilitation, um, D O R mm -hmm. and they provide, um, programs that help, um, that are, um, state funded programs that will help you know, support life skills. So when I say life skills, I mean, you know, 
how to, you know, live in an apartment and deal with a roommate and pay your bills and manage your money and, you know, grocery shopping, grocery shopping, create a list. What do you do? You know, you're hungry and you open the refrigerator and it's bare and it's, you know, you don't realize that like, Oh, when the milk is three quarters of the way finished, maybe you need to go out and get a new one. Um, you know, but, um, and so there is funding out there through another organization called the regional center, which actually starts in infancy. Um, it's another great organization for families to look into that. Um, but, uh, for, for older kids, they literally can pay for, um, there are full time wraparound, like comprehensive programs where kids can go live in an apartment and they have a full time program, you know, rigorous life skills program and they start introducing academics into it and they'll go to a community college, but they've put, you know, this is the kind of program I think Austin, I'm going to try to, uh, he's doing one this summer, um, just to try it out, but they're huge expensive. I mean, but I mean, to the tune of back to the hundred thousand dollar a year mark, um, that's these programs cost. So how do you pay for that? So that's where the regional center comes in. If you live in the state of California, we are the only state, I think, in you know, in the union that actually will pay for these programs. So there's one called CIP, um, College Internship Program, um, and there's another one <clears throat> called CLE. Lots of acronyms um, and College Living Experience. Okay. And, uh, and, and regional, and these are both programs funded through regional center. Mm-hmm. So if parents go through the process of applying and getting their kids funding through regional center, they can, um, get access, you know, that basically covers, it doesn't cover, all of them, but you know, it covers maybe three quarters or more of these programs. Well, something. Yeah. Yeah. Something. And Social security. I mean, I could go on and on. You could have just a show on like resources for autism, but um, there was one thing I wanted to bring up to you that you had mentioned when we were speaking in an earlier um, conversation. I know that you were mentioning that some, you know, friends who, you know, might live in Tijuana or, you know, live in Mexico and Mm -hmm. what are resources, you know, there are um, autism going back to autism tree project. They have programs, they have, um, you know, they have, there are attorneys that, you know, Spanish speaking attorneys that will, um, work with families. They have, they're actually going into like into Tijuana and, and, and doing testing to find out if kids have, you know, to, to, because that's one of their big initiatives is, is testing and identifying as early as possible. So kids in, in the interventions. It's probably so helpful to figure it out sooner than later and then be able to direct them, you know, or send them in the right direction, right? So you're not frustrated 10 years later that your kid is just not meeting the expectations that you think. Meanwhile, well, guess what? He has autism. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first five years, the brain development, and there is so much, I mean, families who are just learning, you know, unfortunately that their kids have autism today have so much more access to, you know, therapies that exist and options, you know, through, you know, you know, there's 
there's so many more organizations support like you at CSD have you know a big autism program there you're cutting and, and, out a little bit hold on hold on yep let me see why this is not working hold on I was hearing a background sound I don't yeah. know yeah okay I'll cut that part out so just talk um, the last resource that you said was Oh, I was saying that, you know, a lot of universities now have funding and, uh, you know, and, and to study autism. So there are, through universities, you can participate in research studies and get access to therapies and to drugs and different, you know, and, and, and um, if your kid, if your child um, you know, meets what they're looking at the criteria, what they're looking for. Um, but they're just making, they are the, the rate, you know, unfortunately autism funding is, is not, I mean, I, I forgot what the, you know, is, is not that great. We would always love to see it higher so that, you know, we can find. It's relatively new, right? I mean, it's not. Autism, you know, autism I mean, the rate it's, uh, you know, it has grown just at this uh, epidemic rate um, over the last 20, 25 years to, you know, one in 56 boys, I think it is at this point. Why do they, it's mostly in boys? Um, it is, it does impact boys more frequently than girls. I think it also is... Sometimes it's also undiagnosed in girls. I think it tends to be maybe, um, but I but 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 yes, it seems to be diagnosed more frequently in boys, and um, they don't know. You know, there are definitely some genetic links with autism, mm -hmm. um, and you know, and they're and I think that they're probably also environmental. I think it's probably a combination of both. That has caused the is my guess. You know they don't know, right? Um, right. But, but I'm sure your research, you know, and your intuition and everything that you've had to go through and read and attend and gives you some sort of a deeper idea. You know, I mean, look, I think that you know it's it's. <laughs> I think that you know in my but the families that are. How, whose kids are born today are being born. I mean, they literally now have genetic markers that they can find. Oh. And so that, you know, may indicate, I think that you, you might even be able to, I don't know if they're actually doing testing in, you know, in utero. Um, but, you know, early, early, you know, kids well under the age of one are being diagnosed, which is just phenomenal. Um, so they can give plasticity of the brain, be you know, kids who are younger than five. Um, it's easier to work with rehabilitation. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's good. Well, you know, I, is, didn't you tell me that you had, um, you have an association or some type of program that you've created? You've become an advocate for? Well, I've, um, I have actually, I went through a program with, uh, the organization we mentioned earlier, POPA, um, I went through an advocacy training program because of my experience dealing with 
the public school system and feeling just overwhelmed uh, by all of the, you know, basically all the bullshit that goes on in, you know, with these, you know, both, you know, the public school challenges as well as health insurance challenges. I mean, that's, you're talking about two other areas of life that could be easily be full-time jobs managing these two things. I mean, and, and you're talking about a parent who's stressed and parents who are often, you know, working multiple jobs to afford all of this. So it's to be able to, so I felt really compelled to want to give back and support other families um, who are going through these struggles. So I became a special education advocate so that I can go into IEP meetings with families and say, okay, they're saying this, the documents say that, you might want to, you know, these, these are some, to advise this, them. Yeah. 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 Is this something that you do for, um, for a living or? I am just starting. So I actually haven't set up a website yet. Um, or anything, but if, you know, if people if you have any questions, I can give you my, um, my email address and, um, and people, you know, I welcome people to reach out to me and I'm happy to, point them in the right direction or help if I can. Sure. That'd be great. I can put that also on the, I mean, if you don't mind. Yeah, I can yeah. give it to you verbally. Or I Let's can say it. it. Just say it on right here. <laughs> I'll just say it. Just say it. Um, well, it's my first initial and last name. All is one word. S-K-A-T-L-E-M-A-N at me.com. So S-K-A-T-L-E-M-A-N at M-E.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I am. Thank you so much for coming on here and talking about this. Um, you're, you know, I'm just always very touched by warrior mamas who just find the way and you're so intelligent and now being able to, you know, not just advocate for your kids, but have an offer your experience to others, to other families. That's really wonderful. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for hopping on here and talking. Um, maybe we can, I don't know, talk some more later. See how Austin is doing. See how you're doing. <laughs> Perfect. We'll right? be happy to. And thank you for thank you for having me. Thank you for for having your podcast and helping families through all sorts of different kinds of challenges. I think it's great. Yeah, we're having fun here. Just getting the word out. You know, seeing. Um, it's just really tales of recovery, overcoming resilience in the human experience, and so. Yeah, you gotta find your people. Find yes. people find. there. Find and your people. Because people will, you know, you're not alone. I think that's the most important thing. That's the most <laughs> important for sure. And if you are listening to this and know anybody that um, that you think would benefit from this, share the podcast with them. Uh, so thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for listening up to Tales of Recovery. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>